Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to have so many guests with us today, so welcome to all of you. So our current unprecedented reality continues. No one can predict what will happen next, but I think we can reasonably say that this feeling of, of uncertainty isn't going away anytime soon. In these pretty challenging times, I'm excited to introduce our incredible panelists and my friends today to speak with me about how we're all leading and navigating this ever-changing dynamic that we're living in. So please join me in welcoming Arianna Huffington, the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, the founder of the Huffington Post and the author of 15 books, the last two of which, Thrive and Sleep Revolution, became instant international bestsellers and two of my favorites for sure. We're also joined today by Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas, president of New Yorican Productions and a producing partner with Jennifer Lopez, as well as producing partner with Halle Berry, overseeing Berry's 606 films. She is also the executive producer of the hit dance competition show World of Dance and has produced and overseen films such as 13 Going on 30, Made in Manhattan, and Mona Lisa Smile, just to name a few of my faves, and I know many more coming out soon. We also have Bozema St. John with us today, and she had big news this week. The visionary chief marketing officer of Endeavor has said she's leaving to join Netflix as their new CMO. Bozema recently made a big impact with her Share the Mic Now Instagram initiative, which I want to talk about today. She was previously chief brand officer at Uber, the head of global consumer marketing for iTunes and Apple Music. And prior to that, she led PepsiCo's foray into the music festival marketing. Bose also co-hosts a weekly podcast with Katie Kirk, which is terrific. If you haven't listened to it, please do. Back to Biz with Katie and Bose, where they set out to understand how this unprecedented moment will change our future. And as you all know, I'm Kelly Coffin, CEO of City National Bank, based in LA and sitting in LA, um, with now up to 70 billion in assets and a very long industry serving the entertainment industry, business entrepreneurs, and those with the entrepreneurial spirit, as we like to say. I've been CEO for over a year now, and who would have thought when I joined in February of last year that I'd be leading the company through a global pandemic and international reckoning for institutional racism and race relations. It has certainly been a trial by fire, first transitioning 85% of our colleagues to be able to work from home, to serve our clients seamlessly, and then supporting our essential colleagues here at City National who have worked in our branches throughout the pandemic. We've stayed focused on supporting our clients and their financial needs for this difficult time. And we're also working as an organization to do better by our colleagues, our clients, and our communities when it comes to our diversity and inclusion efforts. Now, I'm not the only one facing unprecedented challenges, so I'm excited to have Bozema, Elaine, and Ariana with me today. And we're gonna be sharing our perspectives on the challenges our industries have faced and how we're leading our organizations to empower real change. And so I'm gonna get started right in there. And I would love to start with Bozema to kick things off. First of all, a congratulations on your new role, which is incredibly exciting. I know, you haven't you. Started, I know you haven't started yet, so you can't, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you're thinking on that. And then, you know, I, like the rest of the world, I was in awe of your social media campaign, Share the Mic Now where so many if people didn't, I, I think everybody's heard of it, but influential white women handed over their Instagram accounts to amplify black women and the important work they're doing to catalyze change. So it'd be great to start out talking about that for a moment and how you came up with that and how, how incredible the response has been. Yeah, well, thank you so much. This is, this is great. It's great to be here. It's great to be uh, in this conversation with you wonderful, powerfully impressive women. So it's, it's always a pleasure to be in such great company. 
Um, and yes, you're right. Uh, this is this is not yet day one of my new job. <laughs> so we got you. <laughs> but you know, I mean, don't we expect just greatness of us? And so it's like you know, folks already asked me for strategies, and I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. Um, but I'm I am extraordinarily happy uh, to be. Uh, in the position to help to tell stories that are so important at this very moment in time. I, I don't think it's lost on anyone the impact that content uh, and storytelling has on our society and how it frames our culture. Uh, and so throughout my career, I've always been um, very much influenced by pop culture. And I, I do call myself a pop culture marketer. Uh, Ariana uh, has, has very much felt <laughs> felt that pop culture marketingness when she uh, helped to bring me to Uber, actually. So um, I, have, I have had the pleasure of working on many culturally re relevant brands across my career uh, and now going to Netflix to help to you know, amplify stories that, again, are going to really shape uh, our culture, especially going forward as we talk about diversity, inclusion, and additional ways to look at our world. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled. I'm excited to be in that position. Um, so I guess it's, it's no surprise then that I wouldn't necessarily just sit on my hands during uh, this, this time when there's so much going on in our world uh, and not feel the call, you know, to help to change the way that we talk to each other, you know, and what we hear. Because quite unfortunately, you know, in, in this world, we know that um, the, the world doesn't necessarily listen to women when we have something to say. Uh, but even worse than that, the world doesn't listen to black women. You know, it's like when the world listens, it listens to white women, really. And so I, I have had the, you know, real sisterhood conversations with some, you know, friends who I, I hold near and dear who asked, you know, well, what can I do in this moment? You know, we're in all this racial unrest and I feel like I'm a good person, but I don't know what else to do. Uh, and <laughs> on my Instagram, I posted a video clip from Toni Morrison, who uh, I love and admire. And um, she said, you know, something about, you know, not asking her to fix the issue of racism. You know, she was like, I didn't create the problem, so I don't know why I have to fix it. <laughs> and funny enough, I said something very similar three years ago when I was giving the keynote at South by Southwest. So I posted those two things back to back and I was like, don't ask me any questions about how to fix the problem I didn't create. You know, after of course, like months and months and years and years of already talking about this constantly. So it really did just, you know, it was, it was an overwhelming moment. You know, I, I was sitting at home on Blackout Tuesday, uh, contemplating and, and feeling pretty helpless. You know, feeling like I've been talking about issues of this magnitude for a long time, and it feels like we aren't anywhere. Uh, but then, you know, like true sisters would, uh, Glennon Doyle, who is an author uh, and good friend, and Stacey Benden Eisner, who is also a good friend and the CEO of Alice and Olivia, both wrote me separately, you know, in, in my, <laughs> on my Instagram and said, you know, I know that you've been talking and I know that you're tired from talking, um, but if it helps at all, here is my account, you know, my Instagram account. If you want to come on and say something to people who are following me, but probably aren't following you, you can, you can have at it. And I, I turned to another good friend, lovely, lovely Ajayi Jones, uh, who's also an author, who's a black woman and said, you know what, I'm, I'm just tired. I don't think I have anything more to say. Like, I, I just don't, I don't have anything. 
And uh, we both sat there in our pajamas and, you know, unbathed selves, <laughs> feeling very despondent. And um, she said, well, you know what, maybe we can call some other friends. Let's call somebody else who, who has great things to say, but nobody ever asked her to say anything, you know? So we started, you know, just like she was in Chicago and I'm in LA and we started jotting down names of black friends who have great messages who just aren't heard. Uh, and then we we're like, well, you know what? Maybe it's more than just Stacy and Glennon's page. Like maybe it should be other. We know we know lots of amazing white women who have large platforms. Ariana Huffington is one of them. So I sure did call Ariana. And to her credit, and to the credit of of so many of the women who participated, they didn't ask like, who else is doing it, or what do I have to do. You know, I, I, I think, I, didn't, I don't even think I pushed send on my text to ask Ariana to participate before she called me and said yes. Like, I don't even think my message ever sent. I think she just called, I think it was just psychic. She just called me and was like, how can I participate? You know? Mm -hmm. and, and it was true for so many of the women who, who joined us. You know, we had Hillary Clinton as a part and Ellen and Serena Warren, uh, Julia Roberts. I mean, it was just so many incredible women who gave up their platforms and had trust in the voices of black women to come onto their platforms. This wasn't an exercise in like, let me just send you my video and you can post it. They handed over passwords, you know? And it was like, okay, I'm really going into your home now. <laughs> and I'm going to speak from your platform. And the magic of it, at least in my perspective, is that there isn't one monolithic message, you know? There, there's not like some black prophet message this is, these are human beings with various diverse experiences and cares, and it is important to hear it. And so for me, the real success was in not just executing this plan on one day, but to see people continue to share the mic amongst themselves. You know, it's like people always say, when we talk about racism, everybody's like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not racist, I, ha I have black friends. Well, I'm like, well, then find your black friend and let them talk from your platform, you know, like do that. So I'm, I'm really, really encouraged. I think that in this moment, we have a real opportunity to actually change the narrative, you know, to really implement some real active listening, sharing and inclusivity in a way that we have never seen before. So thank you so much for even bringing that up. But I'm, I'm very, very excited about it and proud of it. Well, you should be. That's incredible. And it's such a, you know, it shows you just getting on the phone and brainstorming because there's a lot of pressure put on you of everybody like, yeah, I have black friends. Let me go call them. And you guys, please tell me what to do. And I think it was a really yeah. unique way to do it. And I also think everybody, you know, because so much comes through social media, we all just keep watching the same things over and over. So mm -hmm. that expansion, right, is really important. And I'm, I'm so excited to see what you do with the platform of Netflix, because I can't imagine a platform that touches more people. I mean, I know you're not talking about strategies today, Buzz, but I know you have lots of ideas going on already up there. So, I do. <laughs> um, no, that's going to be exciting to hear. And I think, and I'm glad to hear you're hopeful, because I do think organizations when you know when I think about City National Bank or some of the other you know even large organizations RBC that we're part of and others that have stepped up we all need to think about how to come together to make this more systemic change you know to make it not something that was a moment and then we went past it right and and how do we combat that structural racism and make all of our places of work that hopefully translates over into other places more inclusive and how brands and leaders can learn and really amplify black voices in, in other ways in their own 
companies. So I think people are now, as leaders, even more comfortable speaking out than they were before, because somehow they kind of felt like, well, I'm doing everything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking that I'm listening to people. I'm, but you actually have to say something. And so, you know, I think it would be good to hear, you know, how you think, since you're such an expert brands and leaders can, can try to do that within their own companies and, and cross industries. Any ideas you have forming in that brain already that you can share? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly ways in which to do it. You know, I, I think, again, we, we always assume because we're business leaders and we run large organizations or, you know, feel like we have to do something more that we start looking at the world and thinking like, oh my goodness, how do I tackle like voter suppression, you know, or how do I bring uh, equality in healthcare, you know, because we know that obviously COVID-19 uh, disproportionately affected people of color. So we start thinking about these very large challenges. And I would actually ask of us to remember that we're human first, you know, that we are human in our individual spaces, in our micro spaces. Uh, and so what you do in that space to create change will actually then ladder up to create a more macro difference. And I don't think enough of us are thinking that way, you know, and so therefore we do, we do become a bit passive. You know, we start sitting back and thinking, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to sit here because there's, I'm not doing anything wrong. The problem is inaction is actually also part of the problem. And so we have to begin having those conversations. We have to start becoming active within our small circles and in whatever we touch in our own businesses. You know, I had so many colleagues, different business leaders who reached out to me especially at this time, you know, asking what to do, how they could be an instrument of change, et cetera. And I was like, please don't look outside until you have actually conquered inside. You know, don't, don't go out into the world trying to figure out how to change this big systemic problem when inside of your own company, there is not diversity and inclusion. When you are looking at your own employees and not understanding the needs that are specific to a certain group of people whom you are maybe not thinking enough about it's not necessarily even just ignoring, it's just that you're not putting them center and therefore you're not addressing any challenges they have. And once we start doing that in our own businesses and in our own spaces, we will absolutely see a seismic shift. So I would just encourage us to keep doing that. Think about, think about yourself for once. <laughs> think about yourself in your own space you and how to change that. And you can impact it and then hopefully it goes broadly. I know we, we, we um, did that, we gave everybody the, um, day off for Juneteenth and it was I got some incredibly moving emails from mm -hmm. colleagues of mine that had just been through people not feeling it was a real holiday it's not a real thing having I mean just some and and that was something I could do with like by the stroke of a pen you guys right. all, you know so it caused a little disruption in our operations but we managed to fix it and make it okay um, so um, now Ariana you participated I know in the campaign and I'd love to hear from you as well about the experience and then I, you're doing so many things that thrive to promote change and you're such an incredible leader. And I look to you for lots of inspiration. You always help me think about things a different way. And so you're doing that with an organization that reaches millions of readers. So how do you think about amplifying those voices and, and invoking the awareness to, to actually then become action? Well, first of all, thank you so much. I feel so great to be with you, uh, with three women I love and um, have been friends for a long time. And I must say, as, uh, as um, Bo said, it's so great when you have women friends and men friends too, but there's something special about women, right? 
And when they call you and ask you anything, it's yes. And Boss has done the same with me uh, so many times. And it's so great to, to revel in each other's success and uh, to just have that sense of celebration and pride because it amplifies everything um, that happens. And so this is obviously an incredible time. And uh, when Boz called, it was also an amazing idea. And she connected me with Nikki Oganaki from GQ, uh, whom I loved immediately. And we bonded over so many things and she took over my account. And uh, we want to do more of that, Boz. I think it's a fantastic um, exploration. And the great thing um, this past few weeks in the middle of all the pain and all the trauma has been that recognition that when we take time to think and reflect and study and pause, we can tap into what's best in us. And that's very connected with my passion of um, ending the stress and burnout epidemic, which is why I left the Huffington Post to launch Thrive Global. Uh, because we see how when we are burnt out, when we are leading these frenetic, breathless lives that we've all been leading, it's very hard to really go deeper within ourselves. And as Bo said, we need to start with ourselves. Even before we start with our companies, we need to start with ourselves. And uh, most of the time, we don't have time to start with ourselves because we are like swamped. You know, look at the language we've been using. We're swamped. I'll get back to you when I come up for breath. And, and, um, and so I feel anything we want to change in our world is not going to be changed if we don't start with ourselves and give ourselves these pauses. And, and, um, and that's why I think this moment, um, in a moment of trial, a crucible time, is also a huge opportunity to leave behind what has not been working when it comes to racism, when it comes to the way we've been leading our lives, what we value, and and really imagine and build a new world. It is it's an incredible moment of pause for so many people, COVID-19 and what it's done. And, and now we've we're we're over two million coronavirus cases in the US going up every day. In LA, the mayor just shut all the beaches for the long weekend to try to get people to to uh, to stop and and to try to take that down. But number on the states are on a rise. And so um, we, as City National, we stepped up to give a big donation to lots of organizations that are working on that. It was the largest in our history, two million. But Ariana, and early on in the pandemic, you got um, moved quickly to galvanize different stakeholders, including us, to launch um, First Responders First. We got involved, which was a great fundraising call to really, when you think about how it started, and we didn't have those essential supplies and support on the front line. Um, and can you talk about that? How did you how did you do that? Move so quickly to create that impact and what you've seen that evolve into. Again, Kelly, first of all, thank you so much because you responded to my call and made a very generous contribution from the bank. You see the power of female friendship again. Yeah. And, 
And that was really how we started. Michelle Williams, who is the Dean of the Harvard School of Public Health and I had met. And when uh, we started looking at what was happening with frontline healthcare workers, we realized that it wasn't just the fact that they were missing protective equipment and masks. They were um, in an incredible state of a mental health crisis, of stress. And that has a direct impact on your immunity. Yeah. So we uh, came together and um, we also reached out to CAA and Richard Lovett, the head of CAA, uh, brought in their branding resources and we started First Responders First together, which is how we named the frontline healthcare workers. But our goal was to um, approach them in a fully human way, not just the protective equipment, but we raised money, we raised over $8 million to provide uh, accommodations. You know, we partnered with the Marriott give them free rooms because they were afraid to go home and infect their loved ones and many of them were sleeping in their cars to provide childcare for their children so they could they could have somewhere safe for their children to stay to provide food and also to provide mental health services which thrive you know offers mental health uh, behavior change uh, products and um, apps for companies and we also offered them to hospitals and um, hospices and anywhere where um, healthcare workers and caregivers can be found. It, I, I can't even imagine what they've all been through that had to be you know I just watched a snippet I don't remember what platform it was on of a mom coming home after nine weeks away from her two girls and she did you see that was it on and she sneaks up behind them of course, it made me cry. It was pretty amazing. But mental well-being, I mean, what they've been through is incredible. It's hard for everybody. And I know you have, you're doing so much at Thrive, and you've taught me so much about how to think about not only sleep, but how to really think about making, what are those actionable tools that you can use to build healthy habits, reduce stress, increase your resilience? So it'd be good. What would you, what would you advise other leaders who are listening to us today and how to prioritize that for their colleagues or for their organizations? Maybe talk about micro steps or some of the things you're doing at Thrive. Well, this is actually an amazing opportunity. It's a once in a generation opportunity to redefine how we work and live. And we should not miss that moment. Yeah. We really cannot afford to go back in any way, including mental health. There was a mental health crisis pre-pandemic in the same way, there was a skyrocketing increase in uh, um, conditions uh, like diabetes, hypertension, etc. And 90% of these conditions are behavior-based. So, uh, you know, we launched a product for companies. It's only available for the enterprise that makes it possible to have this up like a behavior change coach in your pocket. That's a combination of micro steps that are science-based that we call too small to fail. You know, tiny little incremental daily steps that lead to healthier habits. And also storytelling. Because as Boz knows and as Elaine knows, nothing happens without storytelling. So we brought in 
um, stories of people you may admire or other people in your company and what they are doing. And the combination of stories and um, data creates all these possibilities to change behavior. And then to see the impact that has on your productivity, on your health, on every aspect of your life. In the last census, six out of 10 Americans say they are feeling anxious and worried about the future. So this is going to be a huge crisis if we don't begin to address it right now. And there is a direct connection between stress and mental health problems and productivity. So companies, even if they didn't care about their employees, should care about performance. Mm -hmm. So that's how we are approaching it. And the other thing that I'm really passionate about is to redefine wellness and well-being, not just to be about professional women, but to be about uh, workers in stores, call center, workers everywhere. So I'm really excited that we closed a five-year deal with Walmart to what we are doing to be their exclusive wellness provider for 2.2 million employees wow. and to see the results in the stores and to see, you know, people who begin to make better choices and the impact that has not just on them. I mean, we've had a woman who lost 70 pounds just by making one better choice a day and the impact that has on diabetes on their children, yeah. you know, who watch and learn. So for me, you know, this is really the big moment to try and reach everyone. This is, you know, self-care has to be redefined. It's not just about bubble baths and face creams. Nothing wrong with bubble baths and face creams. Although those are okay. <laughs> but, but I went and part of my time of reflection and reading was to go back to the civil rights movement. And, you know, did you know, I didn't know that Rosa Parks did yoga and meditated and lived until she was 92. Wow and Martin Luther King and many civil rights leaders talked about self-care, not as an indulgence, but as a way to really sustain yourself, to be able to get up and fight another day. Because we forget that we need to constantly be building our resilience in order to be able to change the world. You know, I mean, you see otherwise the impact that the struggle has on activists. Uh, both in terms of their health and their mental health. So this is a very hard time, but it's also a time that makes me feel incredibly excited and optimistic because we have an opportunity to change so much that has not been working. I love that. I love the optimism. And I think, and I think it's, it is, we can't miss this moment. So Elaine, you I mean, Ariana talked about storytelling. You are the master of storytelling and sharing diverse perspectives is more important than ever. And, um, but we are in a moment where the production of new TV shows and films have been at a standstill, which is incredible. So I know we've talked about it. Talk a little bit about how you're navigating it. What is your creative process and the way you're approaching production look right now? Because we need those stories. You know, stories don't change. You know, your imagination doesn't change, but what does change is that when you don't do what Ariana was so beautifully talking about, the world does it for you, right? The world has put us on pause. Yeah. And what's happened 
you know, both, is that we've been forced to look at things that most of us on this call don't look at, that people of color know all too well. And we've been forced to watch a man being strangled for eight minutes on screen in a way that none of us, and by us, I'm excluding those, could ever have imagined. And I think, and I don't know that I'm an optimist. I, know, I call myself a prognosticator. <laughs> I think that with the snowball effect of the Me Too movement, where finally people, the right elements came together, I can't tell you why, but people became accountable. I mean, when we have this person in office, this bully on his pulpit, um, barking these crazy things to all of us where it's almost, it's almost a Patty Chayefsky movie. It's almost a parody of itself that no one could believe it. I was speaking to an ex-client and dear friend of mine, Tim Robbins, who I used to represent. I've had, I've had so many careers, I feel like I'm 100. Um, <laughs> but I represented Tim and I represented, rest in peace, Bob Altman. And I put together a movie. I put together The Player, but I also put together a movie called Bob Roberts, which was about a folk singing right-wing neo-Nazi that Tim played a mockumentary about can you imagine if, and guess what? Short of the song, we're living it. I say all of this because as the world has put us on pause, we have been able to open our eyes and we're opening our eyes on the heels of Harvey Weinstein being imprisoned, on the heels of, of great journalism by Ron Rivera, on the heels of actual change, on the heels of men having to be accountable, and yes, they're pissed off because now they can't look at you twice without you going, hey, hey, okay. Guess what? The scales need to be tipped a little bit more in our favor. The same on race relations. Okay, let's drill it in and drill it in further because it's got to stick. And I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but I believe it's sticking. I believe it's a change. I know it from every part of me. You know, my last couple of films, I just did a film with um, the Divine Kelly, who became my partner on it, which is sort of Notting Hill. It's a, it's a, it's a musical romance about um, a, a, the most famous woman in the world who uh, lives her life on social media, sound familiar. And she's going to get married, actually, on social media until she hears that her boyfriend is cheating and ends up marrying on a fluke guy in the audience from Madison Square Garden. The guy turns out to be Owen Wilson. The girl is Jennifer Lopez doing kind of a version, stream of, of that kind of a person. And it's about destiny and it's about love and it's about the universe sometimes putting you in a place where you might not have put yourself. And it's a musical and just so lovely. So I'm finishing that in a pandemic. It was directed by a woman. It was shot by a woman. Before that, I did a movie called Hustlers which was written, directed, edited by a woman. So what I'm trying to do, because I'm one person, is to live out loud and make a difference. Halle Berry and I are putting together a movie right now, an amazing franchise where we both sort of stood in our truth and, and demanded to our partners that we hire a female writer. There, it, it, until and unless we've exhausted that group, 
We're not, and yes, it's weighted unfairly, but so has the world. We need to recalibrate. We need to recalibrate. There's some great guys out there who want this job. Oh, well, sorry for you. You've got to pay the price because we're going to go this way. So all we can do in our own little way is go, like when I heard what, what Bose was doing, I was like, Jesus, this is great. Let's do it next time with Jen Jennifer's uh, social. She's got, I don't know, 200 million people. I talked to Jen, she said, absolutely. And now they're talking to people, I guess they're heard social people are doing that. It's about seeing what we can do. People don't wanna leave their comfort zones. You don't have to really. You just have to stand in the truth in your comfort zone. You just have to go, okay, what can we do? It's been hard during this pandemic. I can't lie. I mean, first of all, I've worked harder than I've ever, all I do is one Zoom call to another. I never leave my sweats. I make sure I have something pretty on from here up. It's fine. Um, you know, can't exactly control the weight, but oh well. You know, I, I work and I create things. I, I'm going to be working with Bose at Netflix. We just made a deal for a huge movie that Jennifer's going to do at Netflix that we want a woman of color to direct. So it's about leading with that first, um, rebalancing the scale so that maybe the world comes back into balance. I don't know. I don't see myself as so mystical, but I don't also believe in coincidences. And I think, I think the world needed us to pause and not just for the environment, which God knows needs help, but for ourselves and to find the humanity within the crazy inhumane way we were living. Yeah. And to keep telling stories. You know, I, I, I'm oddly, before the pandemic, I, I made a deal to write a book um, and, you know, a, a, about kind of, you know, a patent place, nothing, not a memoir, but about three women who, um, take down the William Morris Agency, the boys club in the 80s. Yes, Ooh. it was a place I worked. And it, it, so I, you know, just combining the people I knew, the Sue Mangers, the, the people that influenced me and into fictional characters, but in going back in my mind into what it was like, oh yeah, they called us sexy Perrys, and oh yeah, that happened. I mean, crazy sexism that when I tell my assistants, they go, are you, and you stayed? Well, yeah. Um, and how some of the women actually became versions of the monsters who, uh, who they saw. It's about accepting the fact that we're all flawed, right? We're all works in progress, taking accountability for that and trying to be better the next day than the last. So in my head, I am telling stories. In my head, I am planning for a time when we can shoot again. You know, we had to do a pickup scene or marry me. Uh, we, we needed a scene that was um, establishing Jennifer and her, her boyfriend in the movie is a, um, a brilliant Latin singer named Maluma. Amazing, love him. So he was in Colombia. Jennifer was in Miami. Our filmmaker was in LA. Our cinematographer was in uh, New York, upstate New York. And we all had to get on a Zoom. The guy, her videographer, was 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 quarantining because he couldn't get back into this into the into his country so our her videographer was the had we, we shipped the camera out to her and what we did we wanted them to have like a little moment together 
So we had Maluma who was playing like he was downtown in Manhattan and Jennifer who was uptown at their, at their loft were on a FaceTime where Maluma, you know, posts something and says, you've got to like it, whatever it is. So we shot this. It took, it was about a quarter of a page. It took nine hours, oh my God. several Zooms with the cinema photographer telling the videographer how to move the camera with Maluma and the, the delay of, you know, the it was insane, but we did it and it's in the movie and it looks perfect. I'm so excited to see that. When do you think you'll get back? I mean, are you thinking about getting back into production and I don't know. I mean, I have a movie I'm, I'm, I'm prepping right now, prepping, I don't even know what that means, um, that I'm going to do at Lionsgate with Jennifer. We're making a deal for her co-star right now. And we were supposed to shoot in August, not happening, September, I don't think so. We talked about November. It sort of takes place on an island and we can contain it like maybe everybody stays at a resort. But then you have to bring in a doctor. You have to bring in a couple of ventilators just in case. You have to get everybody tested and retested. Nobody flies out. You have to board it in a way that your stars feel protected and insulated. That's you know, uh, it, it's so complicated that my guess is, but I could be wrong because Hallie's prepping for a movie. She, I think she's going to shoot in, in Montreal in September. Um, but my guess is that 95% of production will not happen this year. Now, I don't know. This is just me. I think that they're giving it to us very, very slowly. I think they're saying, okay, let's see what happens after Memorial Day. Then they're saying, well, we think things will get better in July. Then they're saying, we'll see how September is. They're just prepping us for the reality that I think 2020, I don't want to say it's a wash because I think people are writing a lot. Yeah. I think people are making deals and planning for it. And I hope people are throwing out the detritus of their life, their lives, and finding what matters. I hope they're learning to deal with the anxiety. Sometimes I feel like I'm out in the ocean and I can't find the bottom. Right. Last week, unfortunately, as, as you know, Kelly, my, my mom had a stroke. My sweet, strong, brilliant mom had a small stroke mm -hmm. and it, it leveled me. And I can't visit her. And, you know, so there's one iPad for the whole hospital. So I'm like, they're running around. I'm going, I'm making appointments to speak to her. And she's, she's, she's rallying as best she can. It's hard, man. It's hard. It's just hard. There's no other way around it. But within, within the hard, the hard times, I'm finding real friendships. I'm making friendships. I'm reinforcing some, I'm losing others. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, 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 you're seeing what the gold of your life is and what you need. And it may not be a Birkin bag, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 it may just be um, conference where somebody reaches out to somebody or a word of encouragement you can give. You know, I spoke at a writer's conference the other day, just telling people, to stand in their truths and write their stories and tell their stories. And, you know, um, I, there's no psychology to this. I mean, I think that we're in it and I think we're in it um, for a while until we get some palliative treatment and some, um, and some, I don't know, and, 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 and a vaccine that yep. is, has an efficacy to it. So, 
Yeah. That's how I'm doing it. Yeah. And a lot, I mean, you're adapting the whole way you're, you're working, you know, Ariana and Bose, are there things because of what's going on, have you, has your leadership style shifted or are there things you've done to adapt the way you're leading in the last couple months? Like as Elaine's talking about how that, the industry, you know, the particularly Hollywood has gone through such a change in what she's doing. Um, I would say that, you know, at least for me, I think there's been a real shift in um, how I consider uh, how people work, right? Uh, as a leader that, I think because of the unique spaces that we find ourselves in at home, you know, whether people have small children or they have uh, parents that they have to take care of or can't see, or they have, you know, or they're alone, you know, which is also to be considered, yep. that um, the, it has changed the way that I think I even expect for work to be done, right? Uh, not just in the time that it requires, but also just, I think Ariana will appreciate this, like the, the mental capacity that people have to be on. And what does that actually mean, right? Because I, I did chuckle when Elaine said that she feels like she's working harder or more than ever now. And I feel the same way. Yeah, I, think, I think a lot of people do, you know, yeah. and perhaps it's because there is no separation, right? You're, yeah. you're in your home or wherever it is that you are, uh, sheltering and yeah you've got the zoom or you've got the phone calls and it's just one after the other and you keep going and there's no break to go get some coffee or you know to stop by somebody's office and just chat for a second there's no break there's there's no break and so we just keep going and going and going uh, and I feel like that perhaps has also made me just even that much more sensitive to our own sort of mental state uh, and again, I think Ariana will appreciate that because we perhaps have not thought about that enough, right? As, as leaders, that we probably have not thought about it enough on how people's uh, individual circumstances impact their work and therefore their, their production, you know, and how they show up. And I hope that it is something that sticks around, you know, that even yeah. when, you know, hopefully the world opens back up and we're healthy and able to move around that will remember to be more empathetic about our differences, you know, and the places where we are and how we then show up. And hopefully we're able to be softer and kinder and more encouraging of our different ways of, of living. And I would even say now, you know, there was um, sort of definitely a big call. I remember seeing a meme when, you know, after George Floyd was murdered and, um, there was a meme that I, I ended up posting on my Instagram as well, which just said, you know, like your black colleagues maybe look fine, but they are sitting on these Zooms through clenched teeth and fear and holding back tears and don't forget that, yeah. you know? And I, I hope that it is something that we all remember, you know, that there are circumstances that are happening in the world and maybe it's not happening to you. You don't feel it personally, but it is happening and therefore to consider how that impacts uh, the people who work for you and your colleagues. So I'm, I'm definitely hopeful that that is something that, although it has changed in me personally, uh, will, will stay with me and perhaps with other business leaders as well. Yeah, it's really important. Ariana. Yes, I, I love that. And I think when, when Boz talked about empathy, uh, that's something which has been more important than ever during this time, even on Zoom. You know, you can tell when a colleague is going through something. Mm -hmm. Eve, 
you have your empathy muscles kind of strengthened. And I know from myself that when I'm exhausted, when I'm running on empty, I'm not as empathetic. So when we talk about recharging and uh, taking care of ourselves, it's not just for us. It's for how we respond to the world. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for me, the most important things that we need right now as we're making the world are empathy, collaboration, caring for others. And they're the first things to disappear. Um, when we are moving in a fight or flight mode and uh, just rushing to get everything done. So we, we kind of practice at Thrive, the micro steps that we teach. And maybe I can just give you three. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're tiny, but they're significant. You know, as you know, sleep is essential for our immunity and our mental health. It's harder to come by right now. So um, we created a whole suite of uh, sleep solutions with Audible and Audible made them available for free. Uh, Boss helped us publicize the one that Didi did, uh, Sean Combs. It's amazing guys, you know, if you ever can't sleep, download and play it. And uh, we all need that support. I, I, I did a parody of Goodnight Moon called Goodnight Smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> but sleep starts with uh, set a micro step, which is pick a time at the end of your day that you declare the end of your working day. There is no end to a working day. We have to declare it. It's arbitrary, but declare it. And I recommend that you do it with a ritual. Take your phone, turn it off, and charge it outside your room. I know it's hard, but it's going to be game-changing in terms of getting a good night's sleep and then waking up. You know that feeling of, hey, I'm ready. Bring it on. Whatever the challenges, I'm up to them. That's how I love to face my days. And you know what I think is amazing? I, I was looking through some old journals because I'm in my old home in Los Angeles. And oh my God, it's taken me so long to get to this point. So I just hope all these women and men listening who are much younger can, don't, don't have to wait that long because now my barometer of success is am I enjoying what I'm doing? However hard it is, do I find joy in my work? If we don't find joy, it means there's something off. We need to look at it again. Maybe we need to, as as Elaine alluded to, maricondo our life, you know, lose some things that are no longer serving us and, and uh, pick other things. So two other very quick micro steps. One is it takes 60 seconds to course correct from stress. So if we're feeling stressed, that's the latest neuroscience. Take 60 seconds to focus on your breathing or to remember what you're grateful for um, or to get up and move, something that interrupts the pattern of, of stress. And with all the leaders we're working with, I'm finding that a lot of them think that when they do anything for themselves, it's self-indulgent. 
So I was on a webinar for the Accenture Global Management Committee and their CHRO, Ellen Shook, said that to me. And I said, not at all. She said, I, I haven't been able to walk because I think I can't leave my Zooms and my meetings. And so I said, start, start with like 10 minutes a day. Anyway, she just sent me a text yesterday that she's up to 75 days uninterrupted. Oh, where she stood up and walked and um, and kept adding time and how much more effective it made her as a leader. That's really the connection we need to recognize. Because when she was more recharged, she could think more clearly, make better decisions, et cetera, et cetera. You taught me that. I mean, I, 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 those, I love your microsteps. One, one which you made me do, which I still, I don't sleep with my phone next to my bed. I used to. You, and now it goes to bed in, in the bathroom, sometimes in the kitchen, depends on where, but mostly in the bathroom now. And you don't pick it up in the middle of the night if it's not there. It's, you've, written, you've written a great piece about some of your micro steps on Thrive. If you go thriveglobal.com, Kelly Goff, you'll find it there. I know, I have to write some more. They're great, they're always great tips. They're always great tips. All right, so one thing, we have, we have just a little bit of time left, and one thing I'd love to get from all three of you to answer, so I really wanna, I wanna end this on a hopeful note, and I think you, we're in some difficult times, but each of you have said at different times that you're optimistic, hopeful. So um, maybe, Bose, if I start with you, when you think about what's going on there, what, what are some of the positive signals? What, what is making you most hopeful right, right now? I think Elaine actually alluded to it that this is um, this feels different, you know. Um, I I'd laugh when you know people say like, "Wow, this is you know this moment like we're just you know everybody's sort of waking up," and I'm like, "Yeah, I've I've been awake in this life for 43 years and I've been a black woman the whole time." <laughs> so I mean, listen, exactly. I've been this the whole time. Uh, so I've been very aware. However, I am, I am really, really uh, hopeful about this particular moment in time. I, I think it is an awakening of sorts. And I also agree with Elaine that I don't think this is a throwaway year. You know, this is cer certainly a year of a reset for sure, if nothing else. Um, but I do think also deep introspection, like how wonderful it is to, in spite of the chaos and sadness and fear and anxiety and all of these terrible things um, that we have the opportunity to be introspective, you know, about so many things, uh, not just health and who is important in our lives and how much time we spend doing things we don't want to do or how we can serve uh, or how we can be more anti-racist and all of these things that require deep introspection. Uh, but I do feel, I do feel like something is different this time. Uh, and so I'm hanging on to that. I feel like everyone understands that it is a personal responsibility, you know, that we can't just point fingers at the law or at, you know, our policies or at somebody else who is worse than us. <laughs> and it's like, what does that even mean? Um, but that there, that there are moments now for us to really uh, look ourselves in the mirror uh, and figure out how we can be just better people and better human beings. And so I am extraordinarily hopeful about that. And I hope that if, if you haven't yet had that awakening and that moment hasn't come yet, that perhaps this is the moment to do it. You know, perhaps this is the moment because we're not going anywhere. 
Okay, we're, we're not going back outside. So just go ahead and do it right now if you haven't done it already. <laughs> yeah, I have time. I love that. I have time. Elaine, how about you? I, I second everything Bose has said, everything Ariana has said, everything you've said. Be the change you want to see, guys. We are being granted a moment, by the way, a moment to stop running. We've been given permission, honestly, to get off the, what is it, the treadmill? Mm -hmm. We've been given permission to stop, to, to, to stay at home, to, to enjoy the spoils of our labor, to enjoy our friends, to course correct. Yeah. And we can't change it singularly, but we can change our world singularly. I look at Hustler, I look at the movies I've had, been, I've had the boulders I've had to roll to get things done. We can do this. We've, we, can, we started it with the Me Too, Time's Up, Black Lives Matter, we can do this and we have to keep doing it. We have to be consistent every single day in what we do, lead with the fact that the scales of justice need to be recalibrated. And I think that if we do that and we value the beauty of the simplicity, we're ahead of the game. Well said. Ariana, to you. Um, thank you so much. This has been uh, so inspiring. And uh, I just um, feel very optimistic because we are seeing this connection between how we live our lives and how we change the world. Because the change has to be a combination of changing policies and laws, and a lot has already been happening you know, laws that have been in the books for years, shielding disciplinary uh, records of um, policemen, for example, have been changed um, in the last few weeks. That's like we, we cannot ignore uh, the changes that have taken years. Yes. And suddenly they happened and it feels like overnight, but it's not overnight. And uh, the connection between what's happening in our lives, how are we living our lives, and what's happening in the world. And I, um, I had Van Jones and I were talking about it and he told me something which as you all know, I always tell all my friends, you must write about it. <laughs> and he did, he wrote this beautiful piece and I want to end with, with his quote on Thrive, which is, I'm going to do a better job of protecting my own health, my own mental health and wellness, and will do so not instead of fighting for social justice, but so I can keep breathing and thriving long enough to win the battle. Hmm. And I love that because it puts together these two things. It's not self-indulgent. The more resilient we are, the more creative and empathetic we are, the more we are going to win the battle. Ah, that's, that's such a hopeful way to end. I'm Ariana, Elaine, Bose, thank you so much for being on this. You're, you're incredible inspirations. You're also incredible friends. And I feel so lucky to know each and every one of you. And I'm so glad we got this time to spend. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have, even though we could keep going and going and going. Um, but I want to thank everybody who, who we invited to listen in for this. It's been such a, such a true pleasure. 
Um, I found that incredibly insightful. I hope people took away the tips to think about in your lives. You make me, I'll have to go back and more, we have more time for introspe introspection, as Bo said. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to the beach this weekend in uh, LA. So we can stay in and do that. And, um, and I hope everybody here found it insightful, as insightful as I did. We kept it to a small group to listen live. But we will share this, this dialogue with a larger audience because I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing all of the viewpoints shared today. So we'll, we'll make it part of the, the City Nationals conversation series that we're, we're launching out with, with clients. And, and we've had recently um, people you all know, like Jane Rosenthal, the co-founder of the Tribeca, Tribeca Film Festival was on with me. And last week I just taped with um, Charlotte St. Martin, who's the president of the Broadway League. Um, and then Doc Rivers, the head coach of the LA Clippers too. So we've got a great series that you'll all be part of. And thank you so, so much for being part of it. That's all we have for today. So everybody, please stay safe and stay healthy.